You're in the water loop. Hey, this is Travis with Waterloop. You've probably heard me talk about how much I like High Sierra showerheads for their incredible water efficiency, their solid metal construction, and because it's a small business based in the U.S., with owner David Malcolm having a commitment to water and energy conservation. While I hope you value my opinion, there are some pretty major endorsements you should listen to. High Sierra showerheads were rated best showerhead by Popular Science and CNET, and best low flow showerhead by Wirecutter. If you go on Amazon, you'll see that High Sierra gets the highest ratings, four and a half to five stars, from all the satisfied customers. You can use promo code Waterloop for 20% off at HighSierraShowerheads.com. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop. Welcome to Waterloop. This is Travis. I am excited to be joined by Mariah Davis. She is policy and campaigns manager for the Choose Clean Water Coalition, which is based in Annapolis, Maryland, and really works on Chesapeake Bay watershed issues. I lived in Annapolis for nine years, and I, I know a number of folks at the coalition, and so this is, this is going back to home for me. Mariah, thanks for coming on the podcast. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. All right. We'll do an early shout out to Peter Marks, my friend who helped connect us. Um, and I'm sure we'll listen to this. Um, Mariah, we talked beforehand a little bit about uh, the things we're going to talk about today. And you also talked a bit about your your journey in water as a black woman and the experiences you've had that I think are especially relevant right now as environmental groups and the country tries to address equity. Could you talk a little bit about that journey? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'd be happy to. Um you know, every day I am somebody who lives as a, a black woman. Um, and I'm also somebody who has a lot of different identities. Not only am I, you know, I'm black, I'm young in my field. Um, I'm an LGBTQ person. Um, I'm a daughter to two veterans. Uh, so I have a lot of lived and, and shared experiences that I, I take with me, uh, you know, not only in my personal life, but, but in my career and in my career working uh, in the Chesapeake Bay movement. And so what I found in this movement is that my definition of success looks very different uh, than the definition of success that a lot of organizations in this field might have. Uh, for example, I remember the, the first time that I reached out to an environmental organization to you know, try and get some experience and try to find my footing. Uh, you know, I didn't have the best grades in high school I went to a local community college where I'm from, and I reached out to an organization just to try and get some experience, uh, you know, with with the grades that I had. And I reached out, and they came back to me. This environmental nonprofit uh, that I thought had a good reputation where I lived, and you know, they they told me no. You know, I was I was willing to work for free. <laughs> I was willing to lend my time, my energy. Uh, just to, to be there and, and to learn. And the answer they gave me was, was like, well, you don't have a bachelor's degree. Uh, you don't have, you know, any of these credentials. So, you know, we can't have you here interning with us. And so in that moment, I learned that getting into this field would be challenging mm. because uh, of the people that we are denying. 
not that in any way this organization knew who I was, knew what I looked like, knew what value I could bring. They just automatically denied me um, based of, off of not even knowing me or, or even having or, or, or getting the chance to, you know, to try and get to know me. And so this type of uh, system that we have, um, it's, it's really working against us. And it really actually works to exclude a lot of really great and amazing people. Um, and so we're missing out not only, um, you know, in the ways in which we're, we're trying to reach out to diverse communities, we're trying to uh, be there for communities to create change, making sure that people have access to clean drinking water, um, making sure that people aren't living uh, near burdens, environmental burdens that are going to harm them, you know, through their health and things like that. But we're missing out economically. Uh, we're missing out in a lot of different ways in which we could be growing as a movement um, with these types of systems that we have that are re really working to oppress uh, people who are just trying to to learn and, and become more familiar with what we're doing. Sure. But then you, you found your way, right? You forged onward and you're like, I'm not going to let that one door that stayed closed deter me from coming into a field that you're, that you're interested in, right? You, you persevered and, and you, and you found your way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it is, it's been difficult, you know, trying to forge my own sort of path and my own sort of career, which is definitely something that I've I've had to do um, as, a, as a young person trying to get in this field. I've, you know, interned at several different places. I think at one time I, I filed seven different, you know, W-2s because that's how many jobs I had within a year, you know, just trying to, to find um, an organization that not only did I think reflected my values, but one that was going to pay me equitably um, and one that, you know, I, I thought that I could be successful. And so, yeah, found my way, um, but, you know, definitely had to, to be vulnerable and to be open to failure, uh, you know, having to persevere and continue to push on and just kind of follow my gut and follow my heart and, and follow my passions. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I think you pointed out something really important. Um, you know, I asked you a question about, being a black woman in the environmental field, you know, and you pointed out other life experiences and other parts of the person you are. And I think that's really an important lesson for everybody is like, um, people are, are complex, right? They have a lot of different things that have shaped them and that they bring to the table. Diversity comes in so many different shapes and sizes and all those kind of things right and uh so we have to really drop <laughs> drop just what we see with our eyes and and be open um that that's really important so there's been obviously a, an incredible focus since june with the killing of george floyd uh you know the, the country is in uh, understandable turmoil uh, and there's a lot of emphasis on how can we be more equitable? How can this be different from times in the past? How can we really create change? You were uh, a, a person that was in a, a Bay Journal, Chesapeake Bay Journal article, and you had some really uh, strong points, um, very strong opinions on kind of this, the landscape right now. 
Um, could you share some of those thoughts and, and how you feel about the past, what, five, six months we're going through? Yeah, I, I'd be happy to. Uh, I guess as far as how I'm feeling in general, I'm feeling like I think a majority of Black people and how they feel uh, in America right now, you know, I'm tired, I'm angry, but I'm also feeling inspired in a way, to, you know, just kind of despite everything. But I do have, you know, very close friends, very close colleagues. I have a very strong support system, which is something that I think that women and people of color, especially in the workforce, need right now. Mm. Who knew a pandemic would, would come our way? But having these types of uh, support systems has really helped me personally move forward in this journey. Each day I'm getting requests uh, to do you know, different interviews or to talk on panels or just to simply talk with somebody about how their organizations could be doing better. Um, there's been a huge renewed interest in what diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice means for organizations, environmental organizations, people who are working in the Chesapeake Bay movement right now. So it's great to see all of those things, but it's also incredibly frustrating uh, to see it at a time where so many black people have lost their lives. Mm. And, um, but again, I think these types of support systems that I've, that I've had, a lot of these close colleagues that I've been able to, to make and call my friends um, and, you know, even people, you know, I consider my family has really helped me to move forward. And um, within the, the Choose Clean Water Coalition, we, we have an equity work group. It's a bunch of partners and coalition members that we work with that are really striving uh, to promote diversity, equity, inclusion and within their organizations and having the ability to work with all of these individuals and, and to see that there are so many great people in this movement who genuinely care and who are trying really hard um, is definitely something that helps to keep me motivated and moving forward each day. Yeah. Uh, let's dive into that. Uh, before we do, could you just explain what the Choose Clean Water Coalition is? Sure. So uh, the Choose Clean Water Coalition is a coalition of about 250 environmental and conservation organizations that are working to clean up the rivers and streams that flow into the Chesapeake Bay. So the Choose Clean Water Coalition is actually a program of the National Wildlife Federation. We got started about 10 years ago and maybe started with 30 or so groups who are actually working to implement and to create the TMDL, the total maximum daily load or the diet for the Chesapeake Bay, right? So to reduce nutrients, pollutions and sediments um, that were mugging up our rivers and streams. So we started out with about 30 organizations and, and we've really grown. We work regionally uh, throughout uh, all of our Chesapeake Bay jurisdictions to drive action, uh, support, uh, strategy around policy development, but also capacity building uh, for organizations who are working in our field and working to uh, create this very broad Chesapeake Bay movement. 
Yeah, I think I was in the area when it was formed about 10 years ago. I have one of those navy, navy blue shirts that says, like, choose clean water now on the front. I should have worn it for this interview. I did not plan oh properly. Uh, but yeah, that's that's awesome. I have always been amazed at the number of environmental groups there are, you know, everywhere you go, right? There's so many, and it makes a ton of sense to have an organization that, that pulls them together in some way and, you know, leverages all of their collective resources and reach to, to get more done um, instead of say, staying so splintered. Um, yeah, that's, mm -hmm. that's awesome. Up to 250. Amazing. So the, the, the equity and diversity group that you, you mentioned, could you dive just a little bit further into um, what it's doing and, and how it's working? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as a coalition, you know, our coalition members that we work with, they help to drive and create our policy priorities and our work plans and the work that we're doing. That's the beauty of being able to work with this, you know, diversity of, of groups and to leverage all of our collective voices. And so we work under several policy priorities and equity being a huge uh, focus. So this group has definitely you know, grown over the summer, which is amazing to see. Uh, but we have several goals that are laid out within our, our work plan um, that we're able to shape each year with input from you know, different partners and coalition members. Uh, some of those goals include you know, supporting and uh, creating policy development that's at the state, local, and national level around environmental justice, around you know, access uh, to our open spaces and, and safety as well, ensuring that these spaces are not only uh, available to people, but also safe. Uh, so that's one kind of prong to it. Uh, another prong is also ensuring that the organizations that we're working with have, a, um, have an approach, an internal and external approach where they're able to retain hire uh, and diversify their own organizations, which includes ensuring that spaces are more inclusive uh, you know, to people who might look a little bit different from us uh, and the perspectives that we bring. Uh, so whether it's you know, having recommendations on how to create inclusive cultures, um, how to manage different teams, uh, how to update a job description so that you're able to get a broader set of people you know, at your organization whether it's, uh, you know, preparing for an interview. One of the things that I've, I've been seeing a lot as well, I've even had this experience being on a hiring committee, but more and more young people who are coming into our movement and coming into our fold, they're asking direct questions. Okay, well, what's your organization doing around diversity? Why, why are these things important to you? Give me some examples of how, how you're how you're doing this work and how you're compartmentalizing it and how are you creating measures of success? So asking those hard questions. There's there's so many things that that we're really trying to do internally uh, to make sure that we're creating that type of change that we want to see, so that externally we can do the work. We can do the work to recruit you know diverse volunteers or do the work to hire different people or do the work to even enter into communities to, you know, figure out what are some injustices that are taking place here? How can we help support you? And how can we help uh, you know, create a better world that, 
that we want to live in and, and want to see. Awesome. The other thing you're part of is uh, the Chesapeake Bay Program's approach, I think, on, on equity and diversity. The Chesapeake Bay Program is a, you know, a partnership with EPA and, and the states in the Bay Watershed and some other federal agencies, uh, you know, working on, on cleaning up that awesome water body and, and its watershed. But um, could you talk about uh, how they have prioritized diversity and equity and, and what that looks like? Yes, so uh, I'm a steering committee member of the Chesapeake Bay Programs Diversity Work Group. I've been working with that work group and in that capacity for I think about five or six years now, uh, which has been really, really great. Uh, I think one of the biggest successes that we've had as a, a work group and as a, a committee and a, and a partnership that's really you know working together, uh, we're made of the different you know, partners that are part of the Chesapeake Bay partnership that really care about a lot of the issues that I've already you know, touched on, whether it's uh, making sure that the uh, communities in which we're trying to reach, um, you know, we're reflective of that and reflective of those goals. So one of the, the biggest sort of successes that we've had recently is pushing the Chesapeake Executive Council to come up with a diversity statement and a diversity strategy that's also going to come with Goals. So not only are environmental organizations, uh, you know, having a, a renewed, committed and responsibility uh, to do better in this space, we're also pushing the governors and the signers of, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the Chesapeake Bay Agreement to diversify and working to challenge them. Um, the PSC, Principal Staff Committee, uh, they've also agreed as well to making sure that their agencies are reflective and have uh, you know, different people of color and leadership. What we've seen uh, from the Green 2.0 and the work that Green 2.0 has done is that in, in uh, lower sort of levels of management, um, you know, there's more people of color, but as you continue to go higher and higher and higher up into the board level and the director level, uh, that number slowly starts to decrease. So uh, there are not just, you know, to kind of summarize, there's not a lot of people who look like me in leadership levels. And that's something that we're really trying to work and change, uh, not only within the Chesapeake Bay Partnership, but pushing the executive council to do that uh, within their own sort of agencies. So now that we have all of these new goals and, you know, we've been able to kind of add some more uh, teeth to our work, uh, we're going to be, you know, working alongside uh, those agencies, the partnership. Uh, the PSC Council and everybody, you know, to to make sure that these goals are achieved by 2025 mm. and beyond. Mm. Um, I'll say the words beyond because we know that the work isn't going to stop at 2025. It's only just beginning. Yeah. And I think it's awesome that the, the folks you're talking about, like you mentioned, are governors, right? The executive council are, are governors, the mayor of D.C., the head of EPA. Those other people that are very involved are the, the heads of the, the state departments of environmental quality and, and natural resources. So we're talking, you know, absolute top level people here that are uh, getting involved and in making these commitments. That's awesome. One of the other areas that you mentioned before is uh, how funders and grant makers uh, have a role in addressing equity. And I'm really curious to hear uh, your, your take on, on what that role is. 
Yes. So the grant making community has a huge responsibility and a key responsibility when it comes to this work. They are the people who are driving our outcomes. They're the people who are funding us, funding my position um, and funding the work that's getting done. So we're tied at, at, at their hands. The good news is that um, because of the recent work that uh, we've been able to do with the Chesapeake Bay Funders Network and with the Chesapeake Bay Trust and their support, uh, you know, we were able to work with SCIO Solutions to develop a DEIJ in action guide, uh, which is a huge sort of document with a bunch of recommendations in it on not only what environmental nonprofits within our community can be doing to be more diverse, equitable, inclusive, and just, but also what the funders can be doing. So the good news is that because of this work um, and these sort of sets of recommendations that we've come up with for them, uh, a lot of the funders have recognized that they need to do better internally. And sometimes what it takes to create that change is recognizing that it, it could be you that's part of the problem, being able to do the internal reflection within yourself to realize and understand that you might be a part of uh, like a barrier, you know, to that, that change that's, that's forthcoming. So I think it's really important to have our funding community at the table. And um, it's really important that they also recognize that, you know, they might have some work to do. All of that to be said, you know, the outcome that we want to be able to see is that our funders are able to fund uh, differently than how they have been, and, and they have. Uh, we've been able to receive a grant from the Chesapeake Bay Trust uh, to do a Young Professionals of Color Mentee Mentorship Program, um, but it's really amazing you know, to see that organizations are, are starting to fund different types of work. They're not just funding tree plantings and you know, things like that, but they're actually funding things that are going to create the, you know, the transformational change. And they're also working uh, to take a look at their grant making system and to see, okay, well, what, what grants are we actually funding that's going, that has direct benefits to, you know, diverse or, or vulnerable populations. So um, there's a, there's a ton that, you know, that's, that's being done um, and it's just sort of getting started, but our funders are key. If we're not able to move our funders in this work, there's no way that the Chesapeake Bay Partnership and you know, all of the people who make up the executive council are going to be able to be successful to implement these goals you know, that they've now committed themselves to. Yeah. Well, that environmental justice guide that you mentioned is something I really wanted to highlight during this conversation because uh, I like to share solutions and tools with people that they can use. And this isn't something that just applies to the Chesapeake Bay. This is something that can be used by any organization out there that wants to address some of these issues. So could you kind of give a, a, a walkthrough of, of what the different sections of that guide are and, and what kind of the recommendations are? Uh, and it's a big document. Uh, I'll, we'll definitely link to it in this podcast so people in the description so people can find it. But yeah, kind of walk through, I guess, the, the big level pieces there. Sure. And I'd, I'd also be happy to provide some background on, sure. on what it is. Yeah. Uh, so it's, we call this our DEIJ in action guide, uh, which was developed through a partnership with the Choose Clean Water Coalition 
and the members, the 250 members that you know that make up our coalition, uh, the Chesapeake Bay Funders Network, which is a network of uh, funders uh, who kind of uh, work together to create uh, goals and funding opportunities for organizations who are working in the Chesapeake community and uh, the Chesapeake Bay Trust. Uh, so this collaborative effort, uh, you know, we've recognized that it's going to take all of our voices uh, to create the change, you know, that we want to see when it comes to implementing and creating DEIJ uh, action goals. So this guide is a set of recommendations uh, that we've gathered from uh, both the funding community and the Choose Clean Water Coalition members, um, you know, as a set of recommendations of what organizations can be doing internally and externally to diversify. So the guide is broken up in several sections. We've got uh, an executive statement that I'd encourage everybody to kind of go through, read, check it out. Um, you can actually also see in the guide uh, some of the results you know, and the information that we've been able to gather behind the research that helped inform the recommendations that we have. There's some really interesting stuff in there. And one of the interesting things that I'll kind of point out um, is that we found that people who are working at organizations and who are executing uh, environmental justice goals and outcomes, staff people, they have a different view of how their organization is working to achieve these goals versus the board. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'll kind of speak from a little bit of you know personal perspective, but you know I've organized environmental justice efforts and being able to be out in the community and, and work with people who are really you know struggling to have access to clean air and, and clean water is a much different you know experience than than a board member that I might you know be reporting back to on my goals. They might see it as oh yeah Mariah's you know doing great she's all doing all this stuff but there's a lot of things you know that I that I need that I that I might not have. So it's it's really great evidence uh, I'd say uh, about people's experiences and and how they're how they're doing this work which is which is really important if you're a director or if you're on the board uh, and you're trying to create this change internally. Uh, so the, the guide is broken up into several chapters. Chapter three focuses on uh, DEI out outcomes that organizations can be doing internally. So institutionalizing DEIJ within your organizational culture, increasing diversity amongst your board, your staff, and uh, increasing DEIJ capacity at all levels of the organization. And then chapter four uh, goes into external outcomes. So building long-term relationships with communities. We really feel that you have to do the internal work first in order to do the external work to go out into the community and you know, start to do that community level work. Uh, and then there's also uh, a chapter in here, chapter five, that's specific to grant makers and the funding community, um, but all you know, very similar sort of recommendations on uh, you know, building support and capacity for DIJ goals and grant makers in grant making, evaluation and process, um, you know, building the internal capacity of environmental organizations and people that they are funding, their grantees, um, and then building the capacity of uh, groups who, you know, who might not be able or who might not be receiving these grants. And then prioritizing funding projects that are going to work to advance and create equitable partnerships, um, things like that. The back of the guide 
also has a tool. It's around, this is like a 60 page document. So after you've gone through and you've read this whole thing and you're an expert and you know exactly, you know, <laughs> what you need to do to, to execute these goals, uh, we, we've made sort of a, a checklist for people that you can print out, you can take, and you can go one by one and say, all right, well, I'm going to start with creating a, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, justice committee at my organization check. And you can kind of move along within the guide. Uh, and, you know, I'll kind of say, add, add to, you know, what I just said is that the guide is not a one size fits all and that people are going to be coming to this work at varying different levels, whether it's, you know, their own sort of knowledge and background on, you know, issues that relate to environmental justice in their own communities. Uh, you know, there's going to be organizations that are really going to have to go back and understand their history when it comes to this work, uh, whether it's been a positive experience or whether, they, whether they've had some negative impacts on communities that they've tried to do you know, previous outreach to, things like that. Uh, people are going to come at it at different levels. Uh, this, is a, this is a guide that, you know, is specific to the organizations um, who've been a, a part of this work in the Chesapeake community. Um, but it is something that I think that can be translated in other areas of work. We've gotten a lot of different interests, even from government agencies who are within the partnership um, and all type, you know, all types of people who are interested in, uh, you know, how do we do this? Because if you were to even sit down and think about it and you have no sort of like background or knowledge on, we have a real problem here. We need to do something about how we look as an organization. Why are we not, you know, retaining these people? How come we can't, you know, enter into communities? It's a huge problem and it's, it's, it's a huge thing to try and tackle. So with this guide, with these recommendations, we're able to give some really valuable uh, suggestions on what we feel organizations and, and grant makers, you know, could be doing better and how to achieve those goals and outcomes. Yeah. One of my favorite parts is that, that checklist that you talked about, uh, you've got that wealth of information and knowledge and recommendations in the, the 60 pages, but people are like, okay, where do I start with this? Right. It can be overwhelming mm -hmm. depending on the size of your organization or, or whatever. Um, so it's awesome that they can just pick a place and just start mm -hmm. there and just try to work through and build up and figure out what's right for them. Um, and you know, my last question for you is kind of what what's your advice to individuals and organizations that are that are looking to to change? Um, obviously, using this guide is a is a great way to go. But yeah, just kind of big, to big picture, what would what would you say to to folks? Because like we said from the beginning, there's a lot of focus on this right now. Mm -hmm. I guess I'll just start with uh, kind of the the hard work is that it, it's not easy. Um, so people, you know, if you're going to start to do this work, you have to be vulnerable and you have to be open and receptive to change and to feedback. And I think that when it comes to cultures that have sort of this white supremacist sort of like structure, um, those are some things that we're going to really have to work to try and undo that even when you set out a goal, it might not happen that way. So you have to be open to change, embracing change, and being open to making mistakes and kind of undoing that perfectionism sort of mindset. Uh, so those are some things 
I think that are going to, you know, be really hard. Uh, but also, you know, being able to be creative and how you're, you know, you're seeking funding to do this work. Uh, it's going to take a lot of, you know, education on, on people's own parts, personal education on what we need to do internally, but also what is our relationship when it comes to environmental justice. But I guess some just additional advice is just to persevere and, and not give up. This work takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. It'll take some tears. It'll take some additional resources. It's not going to happen quickly. It's truly a journey. Um, and it's, and it's what you make it, but, uh, I guess those are just some pieces of advice, a few, you know, pieces that I, you know, I would leave people with, uh, we've also have a, a ton of resources on our website. If you go to JewsCleanWaterCoalition.org, uh, you'll see a, a, a page that says our commitment. We've got a list of DEIJ consultants and people that uh, you can reach out to, you know, if you have the, the funding and, and the time um, consultants that you can hire to bring on into your organization to really take a look at your structures, uh, you know, whether it's your hiring practices or some of your HR practices, um, things like that, that you can really work to, to try and change internally. Uh, there's also some, you know, other information on there, uh, you know, statements, sample statements of what environmental groups are, are doing and how they're they're taking action and how they're responding to incidences, you know, that we're seeing around racial injustices um, and things like that. So check out our website. There's a ton of additional resources there as well. Good. Well, Mariah, I know, like you said, your your perspective and knowledge has been uh, especially in demand the past bunch of months. I really appreciate you uh, coming on here and sharing it with me and, and the viewers and listeners. So thanks a ton. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop. The Waterloop Podcast is brought to you by High Sierra Showerheads, the smart and stylish way to save water, energy, and money while enjoying a powerful shower. Use promo code WATERLOOP for 20% off at HighSierraShowerheads.com. You're in the Waterloop. You're in the Waterloop.